Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word that comes to us, that reveals to us more of who you are. We pray that this day, as we look into your word, you would reveal more of yourself to us, that we may be strengthened, encouraged, and inspired in our love and our service for you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You may remember, those of you that were here last week, I shared as I talked about what on earth am I here for, I I shared with you the desire when I was looking at that subject to to just go out into the town and start asking non-Christians about what do you think you're here for, what's the purpose of life. This week I've discovered I wouldn't have been the first person to do that. Uh, And I heard about somebody called Bill and uh, he went out to India searching for the purpose of life didn't find it while he was out there, but came back and um, was working in America and was travelling around. And as he was travelling around, he pulled into a petrol station, uh, a Chevron petrol station, he noticed that there was a sign which said, as you travel, ask us. So he went in and bought his petrol and he, he decided that what he was going to do was take the word as he travelled, he was going to ask them. So he asked the person, the people there, what is the purpose of life? And he did that in many, many Chevron petrol stations as he travelled around the country. These are some of the responses that he got. The first person said, I'm sorry I can't help you, I'm new here. (laughs) The second one said, "Um, well, I'm sorry, I don't remember anything in training about that. One person just looked at him, smiled slightly strangely, and winked at him. He left very quickly and didn't find out what that meant. Other people just looked at him blankly and said nothing. Sometime later, he'd become known for going around asking these questions. And somebody from the company wrote to him and said, we hear you've been going around asking questions and you're not getting satisfactory answers. Why don't you write to our company with a self-addressed envelope and we'll try and help you. So he did that and he sent a stamp-addressed envelope and um, two weeks later he got a reply. There was nothing in the envelope other than an application form for a credit card. That's all there was. You're not going to find the purpose of your life, what on earth you're here for, by going around and asking people at petrol stations, just in case you were thinking of doing that. You're not going to find it by going out onto the streets and generally just asking people. You're not going to find the purpose of life through reading self-help books. There's only one place, we said last week, that you're going to find what the purpose of your life is. And that's when you ask the Creator what the purpose of my life is. What is the purpose of life? You need to ask the Creator. And we discovered last week, and we thought about it last week, that what the Creator made us for is to have a relationship with Him. You and I are created to be in relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. That's what you and I have been made for. That is the purpose of our life, to live in union with Christ Jesus, to live in union with God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what our purpose is.
But over these coming days, we need to think about, well, that's all very well. If that's what our purpose is, how does that work out in our lives? How do we go about practically putting that in place? What is the sign that we're having this living relationship with God? And the title for today in the section of readings that we've been looking at is You Were Planned for God's Pleasure. You and I have been planned to give pleasure to God. Think about it. God has reached out to us in his love. But until we respond to him, that love is just one way. God calls you and me to respond to his love. So you were planned for God's pleasure. God gets pleasure from our worship. Isn't that incredible? You know, the God who has created the birds, the animals, the trees, the flowers, God who has created everything, gets pleasure from the fact that you and I are here today to worship him. That's mind-blowing. God is enjoying the fact that you and I are here today, worshipping him. Our worship gives God pleasure. But what is worship? Well, I want to give a few different symbols of what sometimes people think about worship. You know, we've got the traditional notice board here, which says, worship services at... We've got one outside which uh, announces our worship service is at a certain time. You know, we think of worship as times when we come together like this to offer worship to God. It's services. That's uh, one aspect. Some people think of it a little bit more as singing. Worship is the singing that we do. Uh, some people even define it more and uh, you know, can talk about particular styles of singing you know and there's a there's a music group that i'm not sure how clear it is for you to see but you know a big crowd lots of people singing together that's what some people would say worship is about and yes that's all correct in part worship is about services worship is about singing worship is about doing worshiping god in many different styles but what is worship really about. If we look back to the Old and the New Testament, to the Hebrew and the Greek, the word worship actually means to bow down or to prostrate oneself before God. Now, many of us, most of us, I suspect, don't take up that position in worship. I suspect for some of us that if we did, we may not be able to get up again. But worship is about more. It says something about, you know, when you bow down to someone, you give somebody complete reverence. You acknowledge that the person, that the one you're worshipping has rights, is worthy to receive honour and praise. God gets pleasure from our worship when we recognise him as the Lord of all as the one who has the right to speak into our lives. Yes, it includes everything that we do on a Sunday morning. Yes, it includes the songs that we sing, because you, know, you will have hopefully noticed through many of the songs that we sung this morning, we're actually acknowledging who God is. Holy, holy, God Almighty. You know, things like that. Words like that. Saying who God is. Acknowledging as him as the one who is sovereign 
over our lives. So worship is more than just services. Worship, as Richard Foster said, is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Our worship is the sign that we love God as he loves us. If there is no worship, if we don't love God as he loves us, it's a one-way relationship that is important to God, but we don't respond to. Unrequited love. How sad is that? You know, that's the most painful thing for people who've been in a position of unrequited love. That's a hard, difficult position to be in. God loves it when we respond to him, when we give him our love. Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. So worship actually doesn't encompass just what goes on a Sunday. Worship encompasses the whole of life. And that's what we read in our passage from Romans. So then, my brothers and sisters, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship you should offer. Our lives, a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to him. This is our true worship. And the question that I want to look at is this. What does true worship look like? You know, if I'm saying that true worship is our lives, sacrifice to God, or if that's what Paul is saying, this is our true worship, what will true worship look like? What will true worship look like? And to look at that, what we're going to do this morning is, we read that short passage about the great commandments, the greatest commandments. Jesus says, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If the purpose of our lives is to live in relationship with God, and worship is about showing that that relationship is not just one way of God's love reaching out to us, but is two-way because our love reaches back out to God again, then it's about love. And the greatest commandment, Jesus tells us, is this to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what true worship looks like, and that's what we're going to be thinking about. And I will talk both from a perspective of what goes on in church, but also the wider aspect of what goes on outside as well, Monday through to Saturday. What does true worship look like? And I've read that. The most important commandment is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God with your heart and soul. I think the first thing to say about that is God wants our worship to be authentic. You know, it would be easy for us to turn up on a Sunday morning, to sing the, the song, to sing the hymns, to pray, to say Amen at the appropriate points, to give our money, to just go through the motions. That's not what God wants. God wants our worship to be authentic. God wants us to engage our hearts and soul so that it affects us in here, in our hearts. 
He doesn't want it to be something that's just happening out there. It's something that we're taking part of. We're taking part in. It's happening inside of us. God wants our worship to be authentic. Sometimes people joke about how, how we come, and as Christians, we talk about joy, but it's obviously a very deep, very, very deep joy. You would never notice it in people. And I, I like this quote. We sing, make a joyful noise to the Lord, while our faces reflect the sadness of one who has just buried a rich aunt who has left a pregnant hamster. I, I like that quote. I thought I'd just share it with you. Um, but that can be what it's like. You know, you'd look at us and you'd never know that actually we're supposed to enjoy worship. You know, we're supposed to get into this because we're offering to God who first loved us. We're offering our response to him. Reaching out to him. So that it's the most important thing in our lives. We need to be joyful in our worship. And that's more than just going through the motions. And actually, a sign of the authenticity of our worship is that it carries on when we're out of this building. Our worship carries on when we're out from here. The, the way that we live our lives continues to show the love that we have for God. I know some people who absolutely are mad about football who really love it with a passion. And I'm not talking about myself here, necessarily. But I've seen them, and they, they go to the matches. And I was reading of somebody recently who travels 700 miles to go to every home game. Uh, he supports Stoke City, so I really don't know why he bothers. <laughs> but the passion that some people have means that they will do everything to get to a game. But then the result of the game will affect them for the rest of the week. If the side is winning and doing well, then they're really positive. And there are people who I know who, if the team is doing badly and losing, really struggle. If you've ever read Fever Pitch, but by Nick Hornby, he sort of equates the ups and the downs of his life with how the football team is doing. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, well, that's quite sad. And in a way, you're right. But there is something that I admire about that, and that's this. It's the passion that affects not just one day, but every day of people's lives. And that's what God wants for you and for me. A passion that affects our lives. Not just on a Sunday, but day in, day out. True worship engages with heart and soul because it's what goes on in here. And it affects the decisions that we make day in, day out. It affects the way that we feel and respond to different situations. Do we love God with our heart and with our soul? Do we make decisions during the week based on our faith that we express on a Sunday? Because that's what true worship looks like. When we love the God with our heart and with our soul, then the decisions that we make from Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, as well as Sunday, will be affected by our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what true worship is about. That's the worship that God loves to see from us. Worship that affects us every day of our lives. And means that we make decisions based on who 
God is. Love the Lord your God with your heart and with your soul. That's the pleasure that we bring to God when we do that. That is true worship. We love your God with your mind. Love God with your mind. You know, this is kind of the balance, if you like, to the heart and soul. You know, we need to know God as well. We need to love him with our minds. We need to engage. When we come into, into worship, we need to actually try and concentrate on who God is. Who God loves him. When we're actually thinking more about him during the singing. When we're thinking about him during the sermon. You know, it's so easy for our minds to wander, isn't it? Uh, I said if you weren't listening. It's so easy for our minds to wander. <laughs> But it is, and it's natural. We all do it. You know, it's very difficult to actually listen to somebody for a long period of time and actually keep concentrating on every word they say. And there's sometimes there are things that they say that you just want to go off at a tangent with them. You know, and it sets your mind off thinking, that's fine. God just wants to make sure that what we do is we engage our minds with him, that we're thinking. It's so easy for us to just say words. And not to engage our minds. You know, sometimes people say to me, I don't know why we sing songs where they just repeat again and again. You know, I think sometimes it's about the fact that, I don't know how it is for you when you're singing, but sometimes all the words in, in hymns and songs, they just go so quickly that I haven't really engaged with what we're singing before we've actually finished them. Sometimes for me, by repeating a song, I actually really begin to engage in what the words are saying. They begin to mean something to me. In fact, if you've never prayed prayers where you just repeat the same line again and again, I'd encourage you to do that. Some of the most powerful prayer times I've, I've experienced myself personally is just when I've repeated one line time and time again. Because it starts getting it into my mind. Because I can tell myself and I can say the prayer once and that's it. And it's gone again. But as I keep repeating it, it's like, it's like beginning to soak myself in those words. Love God with your mind. And that's important because if we just keep with the heart and soul, the emotion inside, we can get to a point of saying, worship is about me enjoying myself. I've had a good worship time when I feel good, when I've engaged. But worship is about more than that. What we primarily do in worship is offer ourselves to God. If we're just engaged in heart and soul, the danger is that worship becomes the things that we like. You know, if I like a particular style of music, if I like a particular style of service, I engage in worship then. No, we need to go beyond that. We need to engage our minds that says, yeah, even if this isn't my style, even if this isn't what I really enjoy, actually I'm engaging with God and who he is through what's going on. Loving God in mind. And then I think the other thing that I just want about this is God wants our worship to be accurate. You know, and this is about outside as well. If we're having, if we're worshipping Monday through to Sunday, we need to make sure that the worship of our lives, the living sacrifice that we offer to God, is an accurate. It's no good us just saying, well, I think God's quite happy if I do this. The God I believe in says this. It's not good enough. Our worship must be accurate. We must seek to discover more and more of who God is. We have a Christian responsibility to engage our minds and learn more about God. And that might be through reading. 
It's certainly through reading God's word. It's certainly through praying to him. But we need to engage our minds. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. And that sometimes means that we need to be transformed in how we think. Let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. That's what it said in Romans 12 too. Let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. We're not always going to get, get it right about what God is saying. We're not always going to understand everything correctly about God. But we need to be open to that fact and allow God to inwardly change us and change our minds. Thirdly then, love God with all your strength. God wants our worship, whether we find it easy or difficult. There are times we come along and we might want to engage in worship and we're engaging heart and soul. There are times when it's going to be really tough, really difficult. God wants us to worship with all our strength. Some of you may know, well, most of us will know the song, My Jesus, My Saviour. Some of you may know who, uh, who wrote that. There may be even somebody here who knows how to pronounce her name. But it's something like Darlene Zich. It's spelled Z-C-H-E-C-H. She wrote My Jesus, My Saviour, one of the most popular worship songs that there is today. Most of us probably won't know the background in which she wrote that. She, as a person, was somebody who went through her parents divorcing. She was struggling against bulimia, uh, and she had a miscarriage. And at one point in her life, when things were getting really, really difficult, she wrote, my Jesus, my saviour, and she's quoted as saying, I got to the point where I could either tear my hair out and scream, or worship God. And she wrote things like, mountains bow down, and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Saviour. That's true worship. True worship is when we go beyond our feelings and worship God, whether we feel like it or not. When we're clinging on to life with our hands, True worship is when we worship God through those situations. Are we able to worship God with all our strength? In life, we're going to need it. I just want to finish with some questions. Firstly, how well are you fulfilling the first purpose of your life? If you look at yourself honestly, how well do you think you're fulfilling that first? I guess most of us could feel really guilty now. Don't feel guilty. Just think about what you're going to do about it. Are you offering true worship to God? You know, is your worship, do you know honestly, it's more about Sunday than the rest of the week? What are you going to do? Have you surrendered your life to him? You know, Romans 12, it talks about the need to our lives as our offering to God, our true worship to him. Have you surrendered every area of your life or other bits that you're holding on to? 
significant. Perhaps. What are you going to do to bring God? Because that's what worship does. It brings pleasure to God. What are you going to do this week to bring pleasure to God? Because the amazing thing is that as we seek to bring pleasure to God, He in His goodness and love to us reaches out and brings pleasure to us. Yeah, that's what a loving relationship is about, isn't it? You know, we get satisfaction from sharing our love and doing what somebody else wants, and suddenly we feel that enjoyment back. It's like when they say about giving presents. You know, to give, it brings more enjoyment than to receive, and it's true. Why? Because of what's going on in the relationship. You know, just as we give to God, and in giving our worship to Him, we bring pleasure to Him. So he will bring pleasure to us. Why? Well, when we think about what the purpose of our life is, it's to worship God. You know, as we live in relationship with him, it's to enjoy that relationship, and that's expressed through worship. You know, that's when we'll find real satisfaction in life. What are you going to do this week to bring pleasure to God? could be something simple. It might be just saying, right, I'm definitely going to read the Bible every day this week, or I'm definitely going to pray. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. But that's the challenge I want to issue to each of us, to think today, what am I going to do this week to bring pleasure to God in my true worship offered to Him? May God help us to be a people who live and worship him in spirit and truth. To know that as we do that, we bring pleasure to him and to experience the pleasure that God brings to us. Amen. Let's just take a moment of quiet to maybe make that commitment for, for what you think this day you want to commit to God to bring him pleasure during the coming week. think about that. Let's have a moment of quiet. So I'm a firm believer in uh, responding to God's word because it makes his word live in our lives. For the service beforehand we were sort of reminded of that scripture that uh, and we with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed from one degree of glory to another. This comes by the Lord who is the Spirit. God can change our lives. He can make us worshippers. It's fantastic. So just in the quietness of your hearts, just to say yes to God as you feel. Lord, make me a worshipper. Surrender myself to you, Father, to learn, to grow, to become like you. Amen. Thank you, Mark. That's uh, encouraging. And let's all rise and sing together. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Let's uh, lift the, uh, the roof off, I think.
It's been a wonderful time together this morning. We want to thank God so much for that. If I can just remind members to move to the room at the back after the service. But let's finish just by blessing one another and saying the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.